0: Are you a virtual assistant juggling all the things, you know, inquiries, contracts, payments? It can feel a little overwhelming at times trying to keep up with everything, right? Well, meet your new business BFF, insert HoneyBook. Think of HoneyBook as the upgrade your VA business didn't even know that it needed, taking you from beginner to polished and professional in no time. I've been using HoneyBook since day one of my business, and let me tell you, it's been a lifesaver for this busy mom. It's user-friendly, lets you automate workflows, and my favorite part is that it's completely customizable, so it'll look like it's native to your brand. I know what you're thinking. Do I really need a customer management platform? Well, spoiler alert, yes, you do. It's the secret ingredient that's given my VA business a 98% success rate of turning curious inquiries into solid bookings. Now, here's the deal. You can score an amazing 50% off right now if you use the link in the show notes. That's right. You heard that correctly. 50% off your entire subscription for any plan. And trust me when I say your business deserves the HoneyBook Upgrade. You have been at this for a while now and you're just a wealth of knowledge. So what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way?
1: Oh my goodness. To think about what you're saying yes to when you say no. (laughs) Um, I think it is so, so important to have conviction in saying no to things that you know are not right for you. When you accept a project, like based on money alone, you're always the one who ends up paying for it. So I'm very, very careful about listening to that voice. That's like, this probably isn't right for you because Mm -hmm. every time I have said no to an opportunity and many of them have been like super high paying and seemingly big and awesome. But I knew in my gut that like something wasn't right. It's about clearing space, you know, and it's about making room for the opportunities are going to be right for you, but on a smaller scale. I always encourage everyone to make a magical no list because when you are tempted it's so tempting, when you work for yourself to say yes to everything, because you want to make money. But when you say no to things that you know are not right for you, you're saying yes to having breakfast in the morning. You're saying yes to time with your kids. You're saying yes to your sanity. You are saying yes to rest. You are saying yes to opportunities that are better for you. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I had exercised that muscle much sooner. And I also recommend having like a very concise response that doesn't involve the words. I'm sorry. That is just like, thank you so much for thinking of me, but unfortunately I'm not available.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the millennial mom movement podcast. We are back today with an extra special guest that I am so excited to introduce you guys to Our conversation that we had was just jam packed with so many actionable tips that are actually going to get you results. And I think that's why I'm so excited. So before we introduce our guests and before we dive into today's episode, I want to encourage you, please go grab a pen and a paper because trust me when I say you're going to want to take notes. Mara dives into amazing strategies around how to attract dream clients, how to send proposals that actually get open, how to price your offers, how to market your business, how to set healthy boundaries, and how to do all of this while making six figures and still feeling like you're at peace. I mean, can I just say yes, please? So Without further ado, let me introduce you guys to Mara Walters. Mara is a brand strategist and business mentor for female creatives looking to turn their craft into a profitable full-time business. After a decade in national media as a magazine writer and editor, she officially launched her business in 2020 and made more than six figures in the first year. Now she's passionate about helping other female entrepreneurs build businesses that they love without burning out. Mara is speaking my language. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Have you ever felt like society isn't built for moms? Maybe you're a mama with a tiny voice in your head telling you there must be another way to balance it all. You know, working, momming, all the things. Yep. I had it too, and it likely means you're in the right place. Hey, I'm Amanda Rush, a Southern mama with big city sensibilities. I'm the girl that took a daydream and built a profitable virtual assistant business all in the middle of a global pandemic. Now I work from home alongside some of the biggest bloggers and influencers while running a six-figure agency. Come along as we dive into business, marketing, strategy, and real life as a female entrepreneur. I'm all about simple, easy, actionable steps that get real results. This podcast is for the millennial mom that is ready to kick imposter syndrome and start making money on her own terms. Get ready as we dig in, do the work, and redefine what it means to be a working mom. This is the Millennial Mom Movement. Welcome to the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you guys to our amazing guest, who is a new friend of mine actually in this space. And... I have nothing but just delightful things to say about her, which is why I'm excited to chat because I feel like we agree on a lot of the same really big issues out there. And we'll dive into some of those today. But welcome Mara to the show. Tell everybody about you and who you are and your amazing business and how you got started.
1: Yeah. So Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's such a thrill. I feel like, yes, to your point, we are very much aligned on a lot of the topics we're going to discuss today. But yeah, I am, my name is Maura Walters. I am a New York-based brand strategist and I help primarily female founders build businesses they love. So I work on everything from brand strategy and website copy and newsletter and social media development to actual like in the weeds business mentoring. A lot of women who come my way They know that they have a great product, they know that they have a great business, but they're not always clear on what to charge for their services, or they feel super burnt out, or they want a schedule that supports them better. And so, you know, I realized that working on this one side of the business there was a lot of overlap and a lot of you know spillover into you know how do I successfully run this thing? How do I build this in a way that makes me still feel passionate about what I do and makes this feel like a sustainable and scalable thing without constantly working all the time? So that yeah. is my good answer.
0: I love that. <laughs> and I, you touched on so many different things. And I think that so many women, that's the reason that they're in this space is like you mentioned yeah. to have that balance of like okay I'm stepped outside of my nine to five and I want this to be my reality but like you wanting it versus that actually becoming your reality there's so many steps that have to take place in between that so I'm excited to dive into what some of those steps are and like how somebody
1: could bridge that gap and I'm so glad that you brought that up because there really is no roadmap to being in business for yourself. And I think that's the part that can become very isolating. You know, you go from, you know, in, in many cases, a lot of women I mentor are mothers of very young children who realize that the nine to five was not gonna work for them. It didn't support their family life. It didn't give them the flexibility they needed, but they very much want to work. <laughs> so, you know, many of them have gone from, I had coworkers, you know, I had a reason to get dressed every morning. I had this other place to go to, to like truly working in isolation and not having those cheerleaders, not having those office friends, feeling really adrift just in terms of how do I make money and how do I build something and how do I maintain this professional identity? And part of my job as the business mentor is To create that roadmap for them, not to give them one because everybody's plan looks different, but to help them come up with a plan to forge this professional identity in a way that truly supports them and gives their lives a little bit of meaning outside of the domestic sphere.
0: Yeah. And I think we undervalue, like you're talking about that office setting and the coworkers and the getting up and going to work every single day and sort of feeling like you're part of like society a little bit. Whereas when you're in the online business world, a lot of times you're working from home, maybe you go to a coffee shop, but like, let's be real, probably not because you're not going to get that much work done. And like, even then, who are you talking to? Nobody, like you don't know anybody there. And so I think we forget like that gives us a lot of validation, you know, Mm -hmm. of like, oh, I have purpose. I've gotten up and I've, done this and whatever. And sometimes like you were saying, we don't have that roadmap and we don't have somebody to ask Steve and say like, I created this roadmap. Am I on the right track? Am I not on right. the right track? Is this a good decision? I don't know. So right. I love that so much. Right. Okay. Before we dive into some of those tangible things, let's like rewind the clock a little bit. Tell me about your journey because you're coming up on your three-year anniversary in business, which is so exciting. So tell us how you got started because you were much like so many women in our audience. You had an amazing career. Like you mentioned, it's not that you don't want to work. It's just that maybe that lifestyle didn't fit what you wanted your life to look like. So how did you go from nine to five to six-figure business owner?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like many, many mothers, and this is, you know, I like just talked to a woman who was going through this last week. I was let go from my job while I was on maternity leave. It's unfortunately a really common thing it happens a lot in this country you know mothers are are highly undervalued as it is and i think it's very clear to employers whether whether they they believe this consciously or not that your ability to work is going to change when you have a baby so you know like many women i started my business under duress you know i was let go from my job it was the middle of the pandemic i had this new baby and I suppose the easier path would have been for me to just like embrace the whole stay at home mom thing and like figure out what I was going to do next. But I knew that I was really good at what I did and I knew that I really, really wanted to work and I was determined to, first of all, never go back to a nine to five after that happened because I was like, I was just like What is the point of working for someone else and being told that like, I'm a part of this team only to like be cast aside when, you know, I have a baby or costs need to be cut for whatever reason. And this is something that I think a lot of women are hesitant to do. I sent a networking email to like everyone I knew, not saying what had happened, but just saying like, I'm starting my own thing. I really want to work. These are the services I provide, which... And we will talk about this in a little, in a little while, I'm sure, but the secret to sending out like a networking email like that and to getting actual responses that are going to give you projects are to be very specific about what you want to do. So I sent out an email saying like, this is what I am looking to do. This is, you know, this is my experience. I want to work with female founded brands. I had been working at an agency for those three years doing editorial and content creation for like a lot of big household names. I learned a ton, but I didn't love it the way that I knew I would love working for like a passionate female founder who cared so much about this product or service that she created. So I got my first client. It was a woman founded meditation app. I worked on, I worked on that while my daughter napped in her, you know, in, I worked in my kid's playroom. I didn't have an office or anything to speak of. I didn't have childcare at the time. And it was sort of a ripple effect. You know, I think that one client wasn't a ton of money, but it gave me so much momentum and it told me that I was on the right track and that I still had value and that I could make something out of doing this kind of work that I knew that I was really good at. And I could see very clearly how my writing and editing services could really change what was possible for a brand, both through like, Clear messaging and really great storytelling. And from there, it was like taking on literally one client at a time, getting enough capital to rework my website, which I maintain is like your number one sales tool. And, you know, ultimately, like being able to grow this thing. But I also knew. That in order to have the business I wanted, you know, and I was very burnt out from agency life. Like before I was let go, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this with two small children commuting Mm -hmm. into the city every day, like having very few boundaries, clients tell you to jump and you say how high, and that's like just the way it is. So in order to build a business that I really loved, like I knew it was going to be on me to put some pretty serious guardrails in place around my schedule and to stick to them. Which is why in all of my mentoring programs, we always start with boundaries. Like we always have a very like serious discussion about how are you interacting with your clients? How is your calendar supporting you? Do you have contracts in place? Like all of those things that, again, like you don't have a roadmap for when you're first starting out.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so you said so many things that I, I want to like to like hit the rewind button. Okay, let's first we'll start with the last part you said, and then maybe work our way backwards. But okay. okay, first of all, that's amazing because the fact that you built a business, and I think the language that you used was under duress, which is so funny to me, is truly I think a testament to your character to be able to say you know what I literally took when life gave me lemons and I squeezed them and I made like the sweetest lemonade possible because not a lot of people would think to kind of go about it in that way they might be like okay let me refresh my resume let me go find a job at another agency and you kind of sat back and were like you know what I felt in my core, that agency life wasn't right for me. It wasn't right for my family and it wasn't giving me that satisfaction. And you took that and you made a leap. And I also want to talk about the networking email. Yeah. 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 I love this so much. I'm sure you've probably heard of like the exercise where you like write down five people that you know, and then five people that they know and five people that they know. And before you know it, you have like a hundred names. I think that that's really undervalued because There is so much power, like you said, in networking. And it's not like a salesy, cold pitch email. Like it's a warm invitation. So tell me what made you think to do that? And like, if someone were like, you know what? Maybe that would be a good fit, whether they're just starting out or they're like three or five years into their business, that's still lucrative depending on what your goals are. So like somebody that might be looking to do that, where should they start with
1: something Yeah. So I love the phrase your network is your net worth. It is so true. The people that legitimately know you and want to support you are your like clearest path to new projects when you are first starting out. Like you can post as much as you want on LinkedIn and social media, but like nothing will be as effective as reaching out to someone that you legitimately know and have a connection with. So that is like the first thing that I want to say just for anyone who feels a little bit hesitant, a lot of women I work with feel like they don't want to ask for favors, you know, and they're afraid to ask for a handout. And that's not what it is. It's cultivating a relationship and always being willing to like lead with how you can support that person first. So, you know, sending out an email when I had launched my new business was like the quickest way for me to get the word out about it and for people to really know what I was doing and what I, what I was all about. But I think it's important to make a networking email as specific as you can. So, you know, some mistakes I made when I first started sending out networking emails was like, well, I'm a writer. And if it involves words, I do it. And there was no specificity to that. People didn't know. I was a journalist for 10 years before I moved to agency life. So people didn't know. Is Mora looking for like a, an article opportunity in a magazine? Is Mora writing press releases? Is Mora working on social media captions? Like what is Mora doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was very specific, like I learned pretty quickly, okay, the reason I'm not getting any bites here is because like it's so broad. Nobody knows what to do with an ask like that. But when I could say I have launched you know, Mora Walters creative, these are my specialties. These are the brands I am looking to work with small female founded companies. Yeah, (laughs) Um, People knew what to do with that. And another thing I will always recommend in a networking email is to make it very easy for people to book time with you. Mm -hmm. So always include a link to your calendar because it'll be very, you know, someone might say, oh, like I do have a few opportunities I want to talk to Maura about, like, let me schedule 30 minutes with her Mm -hmm. Uh, and make it very, very easy for them to do that. So specificity the clients and a link to book time with you. Like that's sort of the secret sauce to an effective networking email. Yeah.
0: Okay. We might have to put that in the show notes so people can follow that same exact template because I love that. We've noticed that even in our own emails, like it's so easy to just be like, Oh, if you want to chat more, here's a link to our calendar. And you would be so surprised how many people just grab that time slot as opposed to like even responding back to the email. They're like, Oh, okay, done like let's move on. I would yeah. also
1: recommend always including that in your out of office message when you go on vacation, like including a link for people to book time with you for when you're back because you don't want to miss out on potential discovery calls and potential clients. So yeah. it's just like, it's so easy and it's, you know, I, I'm such a huge proponent also of, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure about like automating as much as you can too. Like I never oh, think yes. about a schedule anymore.
0: It's the automations are like literally my new love language
1: love, when it comes love, to love business. Language.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. One thing that you also mentioned uh, when you were kind of going through your story is the power of that first client. And I think mm. that I think back to even myself, like when I was first getting started and there was so much power in that first client. So much and power. Can you walk through like, what was that feeling like when that first person was like, sure, I will pay you for these services? God.
1: I mean, it was just so validating, you know, after going through the tremendous identity shift of having a baby and it was my second baby. So I I knew, you know, what it was like to be a mother, obviously, but it's a huge identity shift. You know, we we had just moved to the suburbs, like going to Target was my big outing of the day. Like it was a very big shift from living in the city with a baby to like being a mom with two kids in the suburbs. So getting that first, like, yes, we will pay you to do this and we will pay you to do it consistently. It's not a one-off project. It was just so validating. You know, this was, this was a company that had like a lot of backing, they, you know, were expanding and they put trust in me, you know, and it made me feel like you could have picked a lot of people to do this, but you chose me. And that shows me that like, I do have talent and I do have experience. And this is the start of a new phase for me
0: yeah and i think what's really empowering about that story is it was only one client like it was it's, only one
1: it's I only didn't have a business. one like it was just i had one client but i always say now like to my clients like if you, you have one client, you are a business,
0: you are a business 100%. Yeah. And I think that that's what is encouraging for somebody that's just starting out. It's like, Oh, I I can do one. Like, I don't need 10. I don't need 50. I just need one. Like that seems so much more obtainable. And then if you want to like layer on a second and a third, like go for it. But if not, like hang out with your one and enjoy it.
1: Yeah it gave me also, it just made me feel like I could breathe a little bit too, because I knew how much I wanted to work and how like not working and not having that professional identity was really kind of like soul crushing to me. And it just like, it gave me that kickstart, I think that I needed. And I also felt like I, you know, once I got that client, I was like, I I didn't think like the sky's the limit and I'm growing this thing and I'm going to have 50 clients like at a time. No, you know, I just knew like, Okay, I have one, and that's gonna give me the ability to figure out what I want this to be.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that you touched on was you do this with your existing clients, you start with the boundaries first. I yes. love this so much. I think Always. boundaries are just a slippery slope in general, especially <laughs> just... like as a mom when you're working, because sometimes your working hours aren't like nine to five. So like mm. having boundaries with your clients, even though you may be working at different times can sometimes be challenging. So tell us some of like your tips and tricks. If somebody is like on that slippery slope where they're getting yeah. like the text messages at like 11 p.m. from clients, like, advice, all the things. Okay.
1: So just for a little context, and I, I'm starting a new column in Inc Magazine in June, and this is the first thing that I'm going to be writing about. So the population that identifies as self-employed in this country is like 80% mothers. And many of them are not self-employed by choice. They've sort of been thrown into this either because they've lost their jobs or they just, They had to make like a very difficult decision to like be home with their kids because childcare is prohibitively expensive. Like it's a whole soapbox and I won't stay on it for too long. But my point in bringing that up is that often when you work for yourself, you have so much unlearning to do because many people who come from a nine to five world are taught that to get ahead, you don't say no, you say yes to everything and that clients come first And that if you're superior, who is the one who should be enforcing the boundaries, and most likely isn't, is emailing you at ten o'clock. Like, of course you respond. And the amazing thing about working for yourself is that you have a chance to rewrite all that. But it is very difficult because it is not natural to any of us. But you will learn very quickly that the only way to maintain your sanity, and especially if you have children to feel like, I got into this so I can pick up my kids from school, like I wanna be able to actually do that, is to have some very strict guardrails in place. So the first thing I always recommend is implementing a system like a Calendly or an Acuity or you know an automatic booking system and making sure that you block time for lunch, that yes. you are very clear about when your day ends. I don't take calls after 4.30. If I am taking a call at 4:30, I am entering into the next phase of my day. I'm entering into mom mode, very frazzled, not present mm-hmm. feeling like I have three things, three emails that I need to get out. And like, I need to follow up with this person that I just talked to. Like I can't do it. So I block off when my day ends. I never take back to back meetings. Now I think this is not only for you, but this is also for your clients because nothing is going to piss off a client more than you showing up late for a meeting. Mm-hmm. So even if you can only put like 15 minutes between calls into your calendar, do it. And I am also very sort of strict about how many types of calls I will take in a day. Like I only take one networking call a week. That's plenty for me. I we'll only do like one mentoring call per day because it takes a lot of emotional energy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm very, I have different booking links for like my different types of calls, which really helps a lot. And one thing that I would always, always recommend is devoting just one day a week to not having calls at all. I call it my CEO day. Mine is on Monday. And I don't consider this a call. I consider this like a fun project, but I generally don't take any calls on Mondays. I need that day to sort of like ease into the week. I need that day wow. to think about what my week looks like to potentially like send an invoice to a client to like do some admin stuff in my business and like take care of like the actual present stuff rather than the future. So those are all things that I really recommend as like a first step. And I have a lot of other things.
0: Oh, I'm I wanna- sure. <laughs> I, but I feel like this is a really good first step, and platforms like Calendly, Acuity, all these other platforms make it so easy to do. Like you were talking about what the different booking links, you can set schedules for each of the different booking links. So if your CEO days on a Monday or a Friday or a Wednesday or whatever, you can like set up schedules for each of those. You can build in like the buffers. There's just so much that like these oh platforms allow you to do that kind of helps you implement the boundary without physically saying like, sorry, I don't take calls on Monday. Like the it's exactly. not available to book. So yeah. They're... Let
1: the Calendly do that communication for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you're first starting out, like you don't need to have a thousand booking links, you know? You just need to know when your day starts and when it ends and you need to block off time for lunch. Like those are like the things that I you know, would say are like 100% essential when you are first starting. I have multiple booking links now just because I have all different types of of clients and prospects coming my way. But in the beginning, it was just like strictly like blocking my time and making sure that I was building a schedule that really supported me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay. So so many things I want to talk about. One of the things you mentioned earlier as well was sending really amazing proposals. So I want to chat about this because I don't think a lot of people talk about what the heck even is a proposal, what should be in one and like, how do you make it so good that potential clients are like, yes, I cannot wait to work with you Sign me up. Where do I pay?
1: Yeah. So well, I'm so glad that you asked. And I don't know if this episode will be out in time, but I host proposal intensives. I try to do them once a quarter. They're four hour workshops where you learn all about how to do what I'm going to explain briefly here. That's on May 19th. If this will not be out in time, no worries. I will do it again in the fall. But the secret well, first of all, proposals are like an incredible marketing tool, an incredible way for you to show your work, your ideas clients from the past who are really happy with you that, you know, will ultimately get a prospect over the finish line. But what you do, and this is where a lot of people, I think, I don't want to say mess up, but this is like something that they forget to do. That's really important. What you do before and after you submit a proposal is equally as important as the proposal itself. So I have a three-part strategy to my proposals that really like, has never failed me. I've submitted more proposals than there are days in a year. So I definitely know what I'm talking about here. And like 99% of the time I get the business. So you need to have a qualifying conversation with a client beforehand. A lot of people don't want to get on the phone because they're worried they're going to have to talk all about themselves. And that's not the case. You are listening. You are getting a sense of what this prospect needs, what they're challenged by, what they want their business to look like, you are asking a lot of questions and you are using the details that you pick up in that call to inform your proposal and make something that feels really customized. Mm -hmm. The proposal itself should always have examples of your work. It should always have three different ways of working with you. Many people will just hear a budget that a prospect says and they're like, okay, let me put something together for that budget. When you give clients options and different ways of working with you, and never lower than what they tell you their ceiling is. The ceiling is their is the minimum that you start with. And then you give them two other ways of working with you at higher price points that have a lot of value. And they will almost always find that money. <laughs> and you always include testimonials about really happy clients, what it's like to work with you, and you know what you have done in the past that have really served other businesses well. And then the last part of my strategy is actually walking the prospect through the proposal. Because very often... I think everybody who's ever sent one knows this feeling client will tell you to send them a proposal you put a lot of work into it and you never hear from them again i always recommend because a lot can get lost in translation even if your proposal is kick-ass and beautiful like people generally skip to the money part and they don't always look through the things and the ideas that you've put forth so actually walking them through it it shows that you're really invested in the project it gives you an opportunity to answer questions it gives you an opportunity to highlight some things in there that they may miss. And it's guaranteed something that like very, very few people are doing. So yeah. you're automatically showing the client that you are really invested in this work because you, you've you put this proposal together. You've talked to them beforehand and you really want a chance to talk them through what you've created. Yeah, I've never had a client say, oh, I can't get on the phone with you for 10 minutes. If anything, they are like, so appreciative of the fact that I want to do that. And I'm establishing a relationship with them. And it's almost always what gets me the business because nobody else is doing that.
0: Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. Well, we might have to adopt that in our own process because we're definitely not doing the custom walkthrough, but I I think that's genius. Even if it's like a loom video, you know?
1: Yes. I mean, even if it's that, like, I, I think that it, it really shows an effort. And I think, you know, you and I have different businesses, but usually my clients will want things like they'll, they'll just have very specific needs. There's a part of me that wants to get away from the super customized proposal. But right now, like in listening to what these prospects are telling me, it's very clear that like, not everybody needs, you know, a brand new website, but somebody might need like a solid brand foundation and some newsletter help. And you know, so I, I do try to make it very tailored. and. I know that people are often like, "Ugh, do I have to do it this way? Or do I have to send a proposal? But it's just because you've never done it this way before. And once you see the benefit of establishing a connection with a prospect and how much they really value that, you'll want to do it this way moving forward.
0: And I think, like, you're talking about getting on the phone with them prior to sending the proposal. Like, you're basically just gathering intel on your potential client so that you can use that once you send it in the proposal. And then again, with the follow up, whether it's a video or a call. And I feel like that makes them feel heard and seen. And, like, in today's world, most people, when they're looking to invest, they're going to be much more likely to invest a high ticket dollar amount if they feel like somebody is part of their team. Don't you agree? Yes.
1: And this is why I always recommend it. And this is what I say to my mentoring clients like, you aren't going to get someone to just hand over $15,000 to you without doing this preliminary work. Like, it's when we are going after these like high ticket, like five figure and up clients, like, there needs to be some more finessing involved and a little bit more time taken and that is consistently the feedback that i get from prospects when i deliver a proposal after i've had this conversation they've said you know we've talked to a lot of like bigger agencies we've talked to a lot of other people but you made us feel like we were really being listened to yeah and that's like the whole trick with these calls you know people worry like i'm going to have to talk so much about myself and how great i no it's about listening it's about mm-hmm. listening to your prospect
0: yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. Okay. <laughs> okay. With the proposal, a lot of times there's pricing involved. And yeah. I know you hear this so often. that's like, price what you're worth. But as somebody who's a business owner, who has been this game for a long time, sometimes I'm still like, what does that yeah. mean? Like pricing? Yeah. How do I, I'm worth like, All the millions of dollars, obviously. I'm fabulous. Mm -hmm. So, like, -hmm. (laughs) but you can't charge that. So, like, what advice would you give somebody that is looking to find balance in their pricing where it is aligned with the services that they're offering, but also still feels good for the client?
1: Yeah. Well, I think a good mantra is you know, it's not just about whether or not the client can afford you, it's about whether or not you can afford the client, whether like you can afford to do work based on what they're telling you. So, A really good reason to have that qualifying conversation is that you need to know what the client's budget is. You are not ever making a proposal without knowing what the budget is and if this is something that you can really do. So- I've gotten myself into many, you know, situations in the past where I was just so excited about putting something together. And I was like, okay, you know, this is what I'm worth. And like this is what I'm going to put forth in my deliverables here, only to have a client tell me, Maura, this is great, but this is like so far out of our budget. Like we can't afford this. And there can be a lot of like heartache in a process like that. So it's so important just to like be an adult. And it's very hard. Like it's very hard for women to talk about money. It's very hard to ask flat out what your budget is, but you have to make that a part of your like discovery process. You just do. Mm -hmm. So that is the first thing that I would, that I would say, um, the other sort of like trick to getting the money that you want is to come up with a, a deliverable, an offer in your proposal that is really, really value packed because the good clients want the best value. They don't want the best deal. And there's a really big difference between that. So when I am talking to a prospect, say they just call me for website copy, which is like a big part of what I do when I'm listening to them in that conversation, I will pick up on clues of like all of the different things that I could also offer them that are in my wheelhouse. And then I put together an offer that is generally like more than they told me they want to spend, but that is so value packed. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, yes. Like we do need newsletter help and our social media is a mess. And like, I want to be a thought leader. Like Mora could help me with this many topics on LinkedIn. Like this is how you build a brand. And yes, it is more money, For them but it's like a huge and fantastic investment in their business that also like sustains my business Um, so that's what i always recommend to people who are are working for themselves like the trick to being in business for yourself is to keep clients in your orbit for the long haul and to give them things that are super value-packed that speak to a lot of their problems and aren't just like the one-off project that they came to you for I yeah. love that you
0: kind of go deeper with the client. So like client might come to you for for your example as website copy. And you're like, well, if I'm writing your website copy, I could also probably write you like some kick butt emails. And like yeah. what client wouldn't want that because then there's right. going to be continuity across all their platforms. And it's actually, even though like the initial proposal that they might be opting into is like package tier three versus what they were thinking they were going to purchase, which is package tier one that still is probably going to save them money than hiring a separate person to then totally. do their email and then another person to do social media and so if you have a business where you're able to offer like layered services like that where yeah. you do multiple things like why not tell them cuz like what if they didn't even know that you
1: offered email right right exactly and i love how you you know you do that in your business too amanda there's this like one stop shopness to it that actually makes clients very happy. You know, I'm in the business of messaging and storytelling and making sure that like my clients are connecting with their audiences in in the right ways and it doesn't make sense for them to have one person do their website and to like farm out the other stuff to people that like might not know as much or might not be as experienced. It makes more sense for them to come to like a experienced storytelling pro who can make that crystal clear across all of the places that they're trying to reach their customers.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh. Okay, there's so much good stuff that like, I feel like people are gonna have to listen to this episode twice. Okay, now I wanna like fast forward into the client relationship a little bit. Okay. So let's say that business owner, has a handful of clients and they're like, okay, I'm ready to like really ramp things up. I'm feeling like I'm in a spot where I might want to eventually start to steal a little bit. But in order to do that, I need to focus on marketing my business. And Mm. this is something that I feel like a lot of times when people hear marketing, they immediately think like, I need to post on my social media. That's how they like Mm. think of marketing a lot of times. And I want to hear from you. What do you feel like marketing entails and what are some like easy tips that maybe a business owner, if they're in the service-based industry could implement today, if they're like, okay, my goal is to get five new clients this quarter. In order to do that, I need to market my business. What should they do?
1: Okay. So I think the key to marketing your business in in a way that like is really going to grow things is to always think like, who is going to resonate from this content? How is it going to be of service? Like when I started thinking about every post that I put on Instagram, who is this going to serve? And like, will this be relevant to my audience? Such a game changer for me. So I think like having that sort of shift and like, I have to promote, I have to promote, like promoting your business is important, but it's doing it in a way that feels like it is giving people information, education and value is like the the real secret. Okay. So posting on Instagram and social, having a social media presence, of course, like Instagram is a huge marketing tool for me. However, my newsletter that i publish once a week is an even more important marketing tool for me because i have i don't have the most massive subscriber base but they are very engaged and my mm-hmm. newsletter which once a week very manageable that is my way for me to connect with people in a little bit of a deeper way that is my way to showcase my offers um to you know offer discounts for booking early to get people into my orbit so i think People really underestimate the power of a newsletter. I should also say that your newsletter subscriber base is yours. So you are not beholden to an Instagram algorithm that's going to change its mind about who it shows you to. If you have a launch that is you know entirely dependent on Instagram, and I, this has happened to people I know, and Instagram goes down that day, you will still be okay if you have another yeah. way of communicating with people. So I always, always recommend having a newsletter. Mine has served me so well, but I'm also in the business of like really building a funnel. You know, we always talk about like, what is, what is your marketing funnel? And I think that's a term that can make people feel a little overwhelmed or it can sound, you know, kind of cliche and confusing, but no, it's like you, you cast a wide net. You are getting people into your orbit with something that is free and exciting. And then from there, you are showing them the other ways that they can work with you and and pay you for it. So something that has been very, very helpful for me are, you know, my free master classes. I will host a class on boundaries, for example. And at the end of that class, I will talk about my mentoring and how you can work with me in that way. People, they really like learning from me in real time. They like being able to ask me questions. And again, like It is free. It is such a great marketing tool for me. A lot of people that I mentor now have so much that they can teach and share with people, whether that is a stylist client of mine or a PR client of mine. And that is like a really great way to market yourself and for people to learn from you in real time. My proposals intensives that I also talked about, those are paid. They're four hours long it's just like a, the second layer of the funnel you know and people are really learning something in those you know they're walking away with an actual proposal they can submit to people and they are seeing that i really know what i'm talking about and that it might make sense for them since they're struggling to grow their business to invest in learning from me so my marketing is really like a combination of a lot of free content i do all of my own instagram just by the way and paid Classes and education, where people really get to see what I'm all about. I know that's a very long-winded answer, but I think um, I love it. Yeah, and I think don't underestimate like the power of like imparting your wisdom. Like, there is such a hunger out there for people like to learn. I, you know, I can't invest in a publicist right now, but like you have so much information, you know, and so much experience. Like, you know, what are your top ten ways to like get press hits? You know, I I just helped someone launch a class on that very thing. The digital world is such a great connector in that way too. Like, I'm always so amazed. Like I've had women in my teaching containers in Paris, in Australia, in Scotland. And I think that's another thing to remember is like, yes, social media can often feel overwhelming. But I think if if you think of it as this real tool and use it that way, it makes it feel a lot more worthwhile and like you're not publishing into a void.
0: I agree. And I think if going back to what you were talking about earlier and really just understanding who it is that you're speaking to and how you can help them post content around that and like you're talking about with your funnel, you're kind of like talking about surface level, like here's some like beginner 101 free value. Okay. Now that you've digested that, what do you need next? Oh, maybe you need like a little bit more in depth. Let me serve you and like a one hour masterclass Um, where I'm going deeper into a topic. Okay. Now that you've gone through that. Oh, okay. Maybe you're ready for one of our masterminds programs. You want to work with us one-to-one, like you might be ready for one of these other offers and not really overcomplicating it. Cause I think the word funnel sounds intimidating.
1: It's like, Oh, I don't, that was the word I was looking for. It definitely sounds intimidating and I don't, I, I want to like dispel that because there are ways to like make it less so and to really use it to your advantage. But yeah, I'm not offering like freebies every single day. I, I don't have this very layered method to it, but I do see clearly like there are a couple things that work really well for me from like the free class to the paid intensive to the like get in my mentoring program.
0: Yeah. And that's how most of our funnels are set up too. And I feel like they work great. And I can tell yep. they're working because I'm sure you're probably receiving like people responding back to your emails or people sending you direct messages yeah. on social media. And so that yeah. tells you like, oh, okay, they're in the funnel. They're going through the process. And I know mm-hmm. it's working because they're engaging and they're asking questions and they're excited. And so it doesn't have to be overcomplicated, which I totally,
1: love. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there there is zero Need for that, and and very often I will host like a free class leading up to the intensive, leading up to the twelve week group mentoring program. Like it can certainly be work, but I have also found that like the women who are coming to those and are like really like in, invested, I would so much rather have like ten warm leads than like a hundred cold leads and feel like you know I'm just throwing things out and offers out into the air. And I think a funnel really allows you to like nurture people.
0: Yeah, I heard somebody mention the analogy of funnels are almost like dating. Like you have to be like, hi, I'm Amanda. It's so nice to meet you. And that's like your lead magnet. And then you're like, oh, do you want to go on a date with me? Okay, that's like, yes. you know, going down the email funnel. And then like after you have like dated for a while, then you're like, wait, do you want to be like boyfriend or girlfriend? Okay, now do you want to get engaged? Now do you want to get married? And that's kind it of totally like-
1: is like dating.
0: It's totally like yeah. dating. And when somebody said yeah. that, I was like, oh yes, that is the perfect analogy. And when we're <laughs> thinking about women specifically, We kind of like to be like warmed up a little, you know. Like we want like a long, like romantic relationship, and so that is kind of what the funnel is for. Yeah, and like it's
1: totally like it's not lost on me at all. Like on the mentoring side of my business, that like for a woman who has just left her nine to five and is trying to figure out her next path to invest in me, a stranger from the internet, is a huge. Deal. And it's not going to happen if I like from a random DM or from a reel. It's going to happen from these like value packed events slash newsletter that is also like extremely value packed and free.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, I agree completely. It's funny. I had a DM the other day. This is a side tangent, but basically it was a woman and she was like talking to her husband, I guess, about like our offers and she was like, "Okay, can you just tell my husband like this is not a scam?" And I literally laughed out loud and sent her a voice note back because uh just- I was like, no, I'm a real person. I promise. Here's my face. This is not a scam. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I also think, you know, the online coaching world can be very predatory, which is why I also, I market myself as a mentor, not a coach. And, you know, I never want anyone to feel like I'm just like chasing their pocketbooks, you know, and that's why I do give so much. And I always say to people who feel like marketing is a waste of time, Marketing is for your future business. Marketing is for you, what you want your business to look like six months, a year from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just as important as your current workload. Yeah, It sucks to feel like I have all of these things to do <laughs> as a founder. And, you know, at some point, like I will also say like the key to scaling and growing is to outsource things. Like hiring a VA was the best thing I ever did for my business. But, you know, it is it is so, so worth while to, to focus on your marketing, especially in those sort of fallow periods when like things feel slow. And like, when is the next opportunity coming? Like recommit to yourself and your business and put forth out into the world, like, some, some things to promote it and some things that you want like to happen.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's, it can be hard too because sometimes you're like, okay, I did it. And you're like waiting immediately for something to happen because in today's world, everything's instantaneous. However, I will say like, if you just sort of go into it, like you mentioned with that long game mindset, like, okay, I'm going to put this out there and I may not see a response and nobody like may even see it, but six months down the road, people are going to be looking at your reels and your Instagram profile and like going back through, you know, the archives of things that you created that you're like, nobody's looking at my highlight from six months ago. Oh, they are. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very often a yes, this is like everything you said. I'm hundred percent in agreement with, and I, you know, Instagram really is a long game. It took me over 18 months of consistently posting to get my first mentoring client. So, you know, it, it's a long game and you have to be consistent and you have to show up even when you feel like who is looking at this because people are. Your Instagram is really like your portfolio. It is your storefront. I just did a post about this, but you know, very often it is a like poorly performing testimonial graphic, you know, graphic, you know, of a testimonial of someone who has the same exact job as like a prospect. That gets someone over the finish line to working with me. And I know those posts are never going to get a ton of likes, but someone is going to come to my page who is looking for mentorship and is going to start scrolling and seeing, oh my goodness, this woman, Sammy is also a freelance copywriter, just like me in the fashion space. And she worked with Mora and got these incredible results. And that is what gets them very often to like, maybe I want to work with you to you're the person for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think about myself a lot of times, if I'm looking for somebody else to fill a need of mine, and I go to look on a platform like Instagram, and I type in like, let's say type in virtual assistant, I'm probably going to search through like six people's profiles and pick the one that feels most aligned with me and my brand based on what they've posted. But I'm not going to like and comment and DM on any of those. So like the engagement is zero, but I immediately make a decision based off of the content that I have no idea when was posted. So that is a perfect example of like, Oh yeah, totally. Okay. You have been at this for a while now and you're just a wealth of knowledge. So what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way?
1: Oh my goodness. To think about what you're saying yes to when you say no. Ooh. Um, I think it is so, so important to have conviction in saying no to things that you know are not right for you. When you accept a project like based on money alone, you're always the one who ends up paying for it. So I'm very, very careful about listening to that voice that's like, this probably isn't right for you. Because mm-hmm. every time I have said no to an opportunity, and many of them have been like super high paying and seemingly big and awesome, but I knew in my gut that like something wasn't right. It's about clearing space, you know, and it's about making room for the opportunities that are going to be right for you. But on a smaller scale, I always encourage everyone to make a magical no list because when you are tempted and so tempting, when you work for yourself to say yes to everything because you want to make money. But when you say no to things that, you know, are not right for you, you're saying yes to having breakfast in the morning, you're saying yes to time with your kids, you're saying yes to your sanity, you are saying yes to rest, you are saying yes to opportunities that are better for you. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had exercised that muscle <laughs> much sooner, and I also recommend having like a very concise response that doesn't involve the words I'm sorry, that is just like thank you so much for thinking of me, but unfortunately I'm not available.
0: I love that so much. I am always guilty of saying I'm sorry as the like internal people pleaser.
1: (laughs) Every woman is. We are all taught to people please and to be very accommodating and very often the first things out of all of our mouths as women is I'm sorry. And I don't think it's necessary when you don't have something to be sorry about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So much goodness. (laughs) Okay. We're going to move into some really fun, rapid fire
1: questions. I can't wait. Oh my gosh. I didn't even
0: like show these to Mara beforehand. So these really are (laughs) a surprise. Okay. What are you currently craving? Oh
1: my God. I mean, I'm always craving like amazing brick oven pizza.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. So I love I
1: love pizza so much. It's my favorite food. So yeah, I want to go get some pizza right now. Actually. <laughs> I love that.
0: Okay. What are you most excited about right now?
1: Mm, I'm most excited about summertime. Both my kids will be in camp. I'm so excited about sunshine and warm weather and getting outside for walks every day.
0: Same here. It was 80 degrees yesterday in Georgia and I literally just baked it. It's going to be 80
1: in New York today. I'm so excited. It's so wonderful. Like, we really, like, earn our, our spring and summer times you on the East Coast. definitely yeah.
0: do. Yeah. Okay, what is the best book that you've read recently?
1: Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow. It's just a masterpiece. Like it is, it is so wonderful. The movie rights have already been bought. Like it's just, it's incredible. It's about, it's about two friends who make video games together, which is what turned me off from reading it for a long time. Cause like I could not be least, like less interested in video games, but it's really a story of, of like friendship and deep love and art. And it, it's just magnificent.
0: Ooh. Okay. Adding it to my list, like immediately love books. Yeah. Okay. And then what's the best advice you've ever been given?
1: Mm, besides saying no, the best advice I've ever been given is to follow the campsite rule as it relates to people. So the campsite rule is that you leave a place in better condition than how you found it. And no surprise, that really applies very well to human relationships, especially if you are working in an office or even if you have like younger people working for you. I always say like the interns of today are the CEOs of tomorrow. And so many of the jobs and projects I've gotten are from much younger people who crossed my path in an office years and years ago, who are now like decision makers at companies. And remember that I was very kind to them. Yeah, I mentored them. I supported them. And it was always like very important to me to just like be a good human, especially coming from an industry that was extremely cutthroat.
0: Absolutely. And I think about myself in those early days, you had so many mentors that were very like pivotable in a sense of like, either you are saying, Oh yes, this is the type of leader I want to be, or, Oh no, don't be like this person. And so they, I mean, especially when you're just starting out in a space, I think that that is like the best advice ever. I love that so much.
1: I think you're very lucky if you work someplace and you feel nurtured and mentored, it's usually not that way you know like it's you're usually being thrown into the lion's den and you know people are so afraid of losing their own jobs that they are not going to help you succeed in yours and i just think that that is like nonsense and i promise you like the trick to being like a successful professional is just to be nice to people amen yes you could be the next albert einstein if you treat people like garbage it doesn't matter Agreed.
0: Okay, well, this was such a treat. I can't thank you enough. It really was so fun. And it was so like just action packed with so many items that that's, I was like, that's
1: my, that's my motto.
0: This is the best. Okay. Well, where can everybody find you? Where can they work yeah. with you?
1: The best place to find me is on Instagram at Mora underscore Walters. I am always sharing information about my group mentoring programs. I'm always sharing free advice about how to navigate weird client stuff and what to charge for your services. That is the best place. And mora Walters creative.com is my website slash business
0: amazing and we'll put those all in the show notes and any links that we mentioned thank you so so much of
1: course this was so fun
0: you just finished another episode of the millennial mom movement podcast and because i know you're a mover and shaker here's your action item snap a screenshot of this episode share it over on instagram and tag me at amanda rush holmes Each week, I'll pick one person and send you a Starbucks gift card on me as my way of saying, hey, thanks for hanging out with me on the regular and being a part of this incredible movement. See you next week.